It's a cool early May morning. Just gone quarter past six and the sky is blue, the sun is up, but there's still a crisp freshness in the air, a good dew on the ground. And we're still in lockdown and I'm experimenting with looking for clues very close to home. In fact, at home today. I'm sat by the pond in our garden. It's a pond I know very, very well because we put it in um, for two reasons. The main one was um, swimming, but we didn't want a, a sterile chlorine pond. We wanted something that encouraged nature and fitted in with the the land we live in. And so it's a natural swimming pond. And what comes with that is a, a, a duty of care. There are no chemicals used at all. Uh, you can you can drink the water. Um, I have it um, on authority that this water is is purer than tap water, um, uh, and it's been tested. But for that to work, I mean, there's a reason most swimming pools are not natural swimming ponds. The way they work is that uh, sunlight and fresh water together just those two ingredients um, nothing very exciting happens but the second you get some nutrients the second you get some nitrates and particular uh, phosphates then all sorts of life um, uh, in terms of algae will spontaneously um, start to grow and you can tell by looking at any pond uh, with a little bit of experience, you can tell within a within a second the the nutrient balance within it. You will all have seen those those ponds and and, and stagnant um, waterways where you get uh, a layer of pond weed, or or um, there there are countless types of algae that can grow, uh, but. If the nutrient levels are low, then you're left with um, water that is very friendly to the life you want, which are the plants all around the edge, and very friendly to um, certain pond life. Um, All of the small stuff uh, is very welcome in a swimming pond. The only thing that um, we we have to discourage are things like ducks, because um, ducks will tip the balance. Uh, and there's a blackbird coming in thinking it was going to get a drink there uh, saw me and you probably heard its flight call uh, as it made its way off so yes the um, it's a it's a finely balanced natural ecosystem where we have lots of um, water loving plants uh, all around the edge and they they are basically drawing the nutrients because nutrients will always get into water whether it's uh, in the wild or in a garden and um, providing the plants are sort of greedy enough and get those phosphates uh, up into their system uh, 
then the water itself remains starved uh, of those of those chemicals, and that allows it um, to stay um, pure in a in a um, non-algae sense. So I've come to sit by the pond here to look for a a new sign. Um, as is so often the case, it's related to a sign that I know. And in a, a book I wrote called How to Read Water, I spent a fascinating um, a day with a, um, a fly fishing expert. And that was all about understanding the relationship between the fish, the water, um, the sky and all of the life uh, around the water, and, and very much the flow of the water. But to give you a clue to the clue that I'm looking for, what one of the most intriguing things about that whole um, day's exploring was, was something called the rise, which is when a fish like a trout comes to the surface of the water for an insect, and it takes the insect at the surface. Now that's all very simple. The intrigue comes because the rise, which is the, the name given to the, the ripples formed at the surface by the, the fish taking the insect, is a signature. And it's a signature not just of the fish... Um, so it can tell us about the species of fish, but also um, its size, but it's also betraying um, the, the, the type of insect. So the two together create a unique signature. As the fish takes the insect, um, it creates a pattern which will be determined by the following factors the type of fish the size of fish and its strategy so if if we take two extremes of of an insect meal let's imagine we've got a a, a very very small um insect that's fallen out of the sky and is um dead or certainly immobile now so much of nature is energy economics and a fish is is not going to last for very long off one tiny uh, insect. Also, there's no chance of that insect going anywhere. So the fish sees that and thinks, well, that's probably worth eating, um, but I'm not going to waste huge amounts of energy um, getting that meal. So it'll go to the, the surface in a, in a gentle, energy-efficient way and just take the insect and then and disappear in a, in a gentle glide. Um, and that, that creates a a kiss, um, a, one of the smallest, most delicate types of rise. If, however, um, a huge trout sees, sees a really enormous insect that is just alighting on the water and may, may be gone um, one second later, that's an entirely different um, meal scenario. It's an opportunity that could be gone at any moment. And um, for a raven... Um, uh, and so it will go for the, the smash and grab raid in that situation. It will charge um, at the surface um, 
uh, in, a, in a steep, fast attack, grab the um, grab the insect and then dive back down again. And quite often it will clear the clear the surface of the water. And then what you get is a, a kidney shape. Um, quite often you get you get one set of um, ripples. Uh, spreading out emanating from the point where the fish breaks the surface and then another set uh, where it goes back down again and rise watching as i call it in the book is is uh, an art in itself and uh, fly fishers all over the world are are refining this art uh, for their particular patches um, each time they go So I've just settled in here. I've got my back to some bushes and trees, which is um, giving me a little bit of cover. Uh, and I'm looking out across the water and tuning into the first sights and sounds. Got a very good, um, it's not even quite a dawn chorus at this time of year. We're already um, a little past the dawn, um, but uh, yeah, I'm tuning into the birds, but also the the sights on the water. Now, looking at water is uh, there's a there are certain certain knacks to it, uh, and it's a very good example of the sort of thing that our our, our brain is happy to um, filter out. Uh, it will prioritise other things unless unless we pause and and have a little bit of a think. So, if you look, what I'm going to do now actually is break my cover just to have a, a proper proper look at a couple of things so that I can describe what I'm seeing um, so I'm stepping over some stones at the en- edge of the pond and I'm looking down in through the water and I'm looking very steeply just past my feet I now stood on some um, wooden decking at the edge of the pond and I'm looking down past my feet and I can't at looking in this vertical way down um, I'm looking into shaded water. The, the sun isn't touching the water directly at all at the moment. And I'm looking vertically down and I don't see the surface of the water at all. I see straight through it all the way to the bottom. Um, in this case, it's, it's fairly shallow. It's probably one and a half metres that I'm looking through. But there's nothing. It, it's almost like the water isn't there. If I now look to the far edge of the pond and also get down a little bit lower. I mean, the pond is... Um, I ought to know, uh, but I've forgotten. I think it's about eight metres long. Um, Now, suddenly, the picture is entirely different because I now, at the far edges of the pond, I can't see through the water at all. What I'm actually seeing is mainly a beech tree on the other side. There are some of the lower plants, um, some some irises that I I can see their yellow heads bobbing in the breeze, reflected in the water as well. But this is, it's a very simple thing, and we've all experienced it many thousands of times, but it, it sits in the background uh, and doesn't really grab our attention until we pause and think about it. So when you look at water and you're looking steeply down, you see through water, and when you look across water, you, you don't see through the water at all. Um, you actually see reflections uh, on the far side of the water. This is part of what explains sea colour.
um, if whenever you're at sea, you'll you'll see a different colour if you look down off a boat than if you look uh, out across the horizon. But that poses the question: you know, at what point does that change? Um, and there is act- actually an angle. It's very roughly twenty degrees. Um, so if you stretch out a fist um, with your thumb at the top, um, so your your thumb is highest and your little finger is, is lowest and you stretch out your arm and make a fist like that. That's giving you roughly 10 degrees. Now, if you point your thumb at the top to very roughly where you, you imagine a horizon to be, um, if you're lucky, you'll see one. Um, in most cases, you'll, you know, there'll be trees or something else in the way. But um, And then you do one potato, two potatoes. So you go from the, the thumb down to the, the little finger that is giving you two fists worth. That's giving you very roughly 20 degrees. And that is also giving you the approximate line where we go from seeing through the water to seeing across the water. You can hear some of the farm machinery just starting to get going in the, uh, in the valley below me. I've just spotted one of our cats um he's making his way out from the house towards the pond and the birds haven't spotted him yet but if they do we'll, we will pick it up in the alarm calls okay i'm just going to sink back into a little bit of cover and let the scene return to normal. So I will be back with you any second now. I'd only settled into my spot for barely a couple of minutes and the the bird life changed in that time. A couple of goldfinches came nearby, but I don't think they were planning to stop whereas there's now a pair of swifts and they are much more interested in the pond but I can understand their hesitation because they've definitely spotted both me and Murphy the cat most birds the sight of a cat would be enough to uh, deter them entirely but swifts um, know that as long as they don't get too close it's not a a contest they're ever going to have to worry about. There's a solitary raven patrolling over the farmer's field. can see what the swifts are doing I've seen this so many times they're they're just doing their their research at the moment they they cover so much ground so quickly that it feels to me like they're 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 mapping they they'll they'll know this area but they're, they're mapping what's going on at the moment and if things look right, they'll start doing some uh, 
some drink runs. They'll, they'll, they'll sweep in, have a little drink from the pond and carry on. They'll quite often do that even when I'm sat this close, uh, particularly in the evenings. Um, but they don't do it the first few times. The first few times they come in, have a look. And because the cat is right next to me, I think they may be back an, another time. But um, we'll, we'll see. If it was just me, I think the next couple of runs they'd have a drink. But the cat's probably enough to uh, quench their thirst, as it were. Just walking uh, around the edge of the pond, trying not to peer in over too much, and just taking a bit of a survey of the, the life there. Lots and lots of tadpoles still. Not nearly as many as there were even a few weeks ago. Plenty of newts. Yeah, sorry for that slight uh, break there. I was just checking the cat was all right. He's just been sick. Um, part of his routine, probably, but he's probably eaten something a bit more interesting than usual. My attention has been pulled from the surface of the pond to the cat. We will get back to the pond, but this is the nature of looking for outdoor clues, is, is nature has its own agenda. Um, it's what makes podcasting one of the differences with writing, is that it's um, you are, in, in a fun way, um, slightly less in control of the narrative. Um, but the thing that I can't help noticing is, is actually... Murphy is sitting on a patch of grass in direct sunlight. It's low sun. And his body is aligned perfectly north-south. And until fairly recently, even with my interest, uh, some might say obsession for these sorts of things, I wouldn't actually have read much into that. But recently I've been doing some research indoors and then outdoors into animal uh, body positions uh, the relationship with uh, weather microclimate and in turn direction and it turns out that pretty much all animals are of course they're all sensitive to temperature it's part of the broader uh, survival makeup of every creature including ourselves but Yes, the body alignment is is um, very rarely random, and so if an animal's too cold, it's going to go broadside on to any sunlight, and if it's too hot, it it's going to uh, align more directly with that light. And we, I've seen this sort of pattern before in termite mounds and things like that. You sometimes get a very stark north-south line because the termites need warming up in the morning, so they're the eastern sun hits a, a broad face but then in places like um, 
the Northern Territories in Australia, where it's it's baking hot um, in the middle of the day, a north-south alignment allows the termite mound to be sort of skinny in the middle of the day. Right, back to the surface of the pond. And what I'm doing now is looking across it. And I'm trying to get the angle right so that I'm not looking straight down and I'm not looking totally horizontally. I'm looking probably down at about 30 degrees. But more importantly than that, I've got sight of where shade meets brighter areas. Now the pond itself is, is in now in direct sunlight at its southern edge as the um, morning sun is just beginning its rising arc. But, but if you're looking for real detail in the surface of a pond, what you need to do is find a place where darkness meets light. I've got my perfect spot now. I'm pretty well hidden from anything that isn't directly over the pond. I've got a lot of bushes and then trees sort of almost cocooning me behind me, but nothing between me and the pond. And I'm looking at the right angle so I can see a nice mixture of light and dark in the reflections. And that's so important if you want to see detail like uh, fish rises or, or other um, tiny uh, movements in the surface of the water. Because what happens is if anything moves the surface of the water and you've got a mixture of light and dark, uh, those two get mixed together and your eyes can pick that up very easily. Uh, and I've actually got a wonderful collection of different shades here. I've got, I've got deep shade where very little light is is reaching the northern edge of the pond uh, down to the, the southern edge uh, where, where there's direct sunlight but in between what's working so well at the moment is actually a mixture of the reflection of um, dark bushes on the far side and a very light blue sky and that is allowing me to see already a, a tapestry of motion and this is a great example where looking from the wrong angle and maybe only spending a minute um, just looking at a pond, it would be very tempting to walk away with the, the belief there's nothing happening there. But I'm just far enough away now that the, the pond life won't be, won't be too concerned by me. And I'm getting this mix and I am seeing something happen pretty much every second at the moment. Classic sort of pattern is the whirly gigs. Uh, the tiny, tiny little um, beetles that sort of, as the name suggests, they kind of scoot over the, the surface, but never in a straight line. But they always leave a, um, a tiny wake pattern. And yes, I'm watching one scoot around there near the irises. And it's it's impossible to miss now. And there is a much more interesting pattern. Now I've got to be careful not to show a silhouette. 
Okay, yes. As I suspected, that is a water boatman. A very, very different pattern. Much more um, staccato, a, a sort of juddering um, motion. Uh, so, a s- sort of almost like pulses of ripples coming out. one being very it's so tempting to um, uh, personify these and anthropomorphize them but they're not being lethargic and they're not being lazy or any of those sorts of things Um, it's bound to be uh, related to circadian rhythms temperature and that sort of thing so many insects grow more active with warming and because this is a natural pond, the, the temperature does fluctuate quite noticeably over the day. So we're we're not far off the coldest point in the cycle at the moment. I mean, we really notice it. If we go for an early morning swim in May, it's, um, well, fresh is the word. Whereas I was, I was in here at about um, seven or eight last night, and it was um, quite pleasant. Now, what I'm looking for is actually a newt rise. The newts come to the surface so regularly, but a little like the most delicate fish kiss ever. The fingerprint they leave, their signature is... um, It's not like the whirligig beetles. It's not like the... um, water boatman it is much more of a kiss and I'm just wondering I mean it's so easy to see if I get closer to the water and look down into it I can watch the newts coming up and down um, almost like buses but I'm just wondering whether I can pick that up looking from a few metres away by just studying the surface It's just gone quarter past seven, so I've been studying the pond with happy distractions from the birds and the cat for about an hour now. And I think I've got the blueprint to work with. So I'm going to tell you what my my aim for the morning was. And I'm not always um, goal-obsessed in these situations. It's so, so fun when you go out looking for one thing and find another. But what I want to do is using the rise um, philosophy of fly fishers is is to spot an invisible newt, by which I mean get myself in the perfect position where I can't actually see into the water, but I can see the, the movement on the surface in the, um, the ripples breaking the light and dark patches. And I've spent just long enough now that I think I've got a, a measure of the main signatures out there. We've got the um, stuttering water boatman, uh, and I've noticed that there's a there's a different signature when the water boatman goes for a dive. Uh, just like the the fish, it's not a, just about species; it's about behaviour, of course. And the whirly gigs seem to be interacting lots.
But the, uh, the signature I'm most interested in is the newt. I want to be able to see a newt without seeing the newt. And what I'm going to do is, is just sit here and wait for the newt's kiss. Um, and what I've noticed is when the, the newt comes to the surface, again, like the other creatures, it, it, it may do all sorts of things, but its, it, it's classic signature is, is a, a near-perfectly symmetrical um, uh, circular emanation of ripples, a classic, a classic kiss but quite often with a tiny bubble in the middle, which disappears within a second, almost instantly. And I've got such a good position here where the, the lightness of the sky is touching the tops of the trees in the distance, and I can actually see um, the tiniest currents in the water. And I think these are being caused because of the, the start of the heating. So the, the southernmost two metres of the pond are now in sunlight. And that's definitely not being created by animals. It's too, um, it's too broad. The insect life has changed dramatically in an hour. There was barely... Uh, I couldn't have reached out and grabbed an insect whereas now I can probably <laughs> I can probably see roughly <laughs> uh, a few hundred um, within a, a few meters of my head at the moment quite a mix as well but this is a very busy time for them there it is there it is oh the bubble is still there On. There it is. Oh, the bubble's gone. The ripples have gone. But I just took a couple of steps forward there, um, for the the sense of uh, uh, completion and affirmation. And <laughs> I don't know, but I just I knew because even in one hour, I got enough of a sense that a a series of perfect circles emanating from a from a central point with a tiny bubble in it was telling me that there was a newt there, uh, and I, I I I did want to uh, I did want to see it make its way back down to the the bottom. couple of dogs there uh, down towards the farm. Ah, there's a new pattern there. Yes, there was a uh, a, a series of ripples. Uh, emanating from under the decking there and I think I know what that is I think that's the uh, the frogs or the toads that are very very happy under that decking but I'm not going to disturb them but sometimes if you walk towards it there's a, a splash and a kerfuffle and you get quite serious ripples heading out across the pond 
cat's still here with me. There'll be some thirsty birds by now. A kestrel just came in for a uh, quick look. And a two-second hover and headed back over the trees onto a perch at the top of a dead ash um, and has gone again. I'm now just having a little bit of fun with a a different version of the same uh, sign and pattern, which is when, once sunlight's going through the water, if we if we take a steeper view through the water uh, and and look at the bottom, then anything that disturbs the surface creates um, the surface acts like a lens uh, and it. Um, channels the the sunlight so the slightest ripple on the surface creates um, almost exaggerated patterns of light and shade on the bottom Um, I think we've all seen this uh, effect in in different um, places and in different ways the um, those extraordinary um, dancing uh, patches of light and dark you get at the bottom of a swimming pool that's just another example of that and what you'll notice with those patterns is that um, if somebody's swimming actively in a pool, you, you tend not to see them. The surface is too rough. It's, it goes almost too chaotic. Or if the sun is, is very bright, you, you, you might make some sense of them. But, um, but it's that kind of intermediate uh, disturbance. Uh, if, the, if the surface of the water is perfectly flat, which pretty much never happens, but you, you won't get any patterns at all. And if it's too rough... Uh, it becomes too chaotic to pick out the patterns. But we've got a nice balance here at the moment where the sun is just high enough now um, to be reaching uh, certain parts. Uh, there's a shelf in the pond which is for growing oxygenating uh, plants and the, the sunlight is just catching that and one part of the, the deeper bottom part of the pond. And, oh, that's lovely. A pair of water boatmen there having a bit of a social not adhering to lockdown rules at all um, but they're the ripples they've created I can see um, a couple of meters below them in a, a mix of light and dark emanating on the bottom of the pond and this is yeah I mean this is um, so much part of looking for for signs and patterns is knowing when to look for something directly and when to look look for the um, the signs um, being relayed or or um, um, projected uh, into into another area. That is, yeah, it's a core part of um, of, of what I do. Do I do I try and look for the animal itself, or do I look for the the ripples of signs that it's sending into the uh, the landscape all around me?
In the distance I can hear the sheep growing very vocal. I imagine there's a morning feed on its way. Yes, there's so much richness that I'm looking forward to uh, delving into, maybe on another podcast. Um, so often uh, one sign or a new clue uh, triggers ideas about other ones. And the, I'm thinking about the interconnectivity here, how each of the creatures in the pond is reacting to another one. But also the cat, the birds, they're, they're all part of the same um, the same game. It feels now like activity is peaking. There are ripples all over the, the pond, half a dozen at any one time. Um, the, the sheep are very vocal in the distance. The birds are perhaps past their um, their peak activity. I'm going to spend another. Oh, there's another new, and the bubble's still there. Bubble's still there, and it's gone. I'm just stepping forward now, and there. There he is, head down vertically, in no great hurry, but on his way down to the bottom. Oh, there are so many things I want to um, um, exp- explore, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna enjoy that one, that one clue, the wonderful experience of seeing the invisible newt. Um, I'm going to have a bit of fun with that. I'm going to probably stay out here for uh, another half an hour or so. But I uh, I try not to gauge things that way. I'll, uh, I'm going to stay out here for a bit, for as long as it uh, feels right. Uh, but I won't, um, I won't force you to join me for that. Next time you see some, some still water, if you can, take a moment to line yourself up not looking too steeply, not too shallow, mix of light and dark to get those really delicate changes in the, um, in the, in the surface, the lightest possible, most fragile ripples, and see if you can spot the, uh, the clue, see if you can see the signature of any animal, whatever it is. It's so satisfying. So, until next time... Happy navigating and thank you very much for joining me.